It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message. Truth should be truth. But then it depends on, in the telling, whose truth is it. We're here most Tuesdays, bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape and mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people, thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find us on the web at here in the city. That's H-E-A-R in the city.org. This is here in the city. That's a taco truck, and I'm here with Connor Everts, the Southern California Watershed Alliance, and the Desal Response Group. And we are about to walk toward the ocean, right. or the uh, cliffs above the Palisades. Right. So it's a it's a huge thing, and it's an ongoing thing. I imagine it's a lifetime project for you, water in Southern California. I think I was called the old man of water the other day, but yes, I've been doing this for a long time. I grew up in Southern California, actually fishing for steelhead in Malibu Creek and Matillaha Creek, which is a Ventura River near Ojai. And uh, now, years later, I'm trying to take down those dams that are on those um, creeks so the fish can go back upstream. So where are we going to go right now? So we're taking a little walking tour from the LA Keeper LA Waterkeeper, where my office is, down to something that's called the Smurf, which is the Santa Monica Urban Water Recycling Facility, where we capture the stormwater, because Santa Monica's on the receiving end of all the water that comes across, at least at these. Instead of real watersheds and rivers, we have underground um, storm drains that run down here. And historically, what happened is that would form a lagoon out on the beach, and mothers with young children would think that that was nice, clear water instead of the polluted ocean when it was really all the runoff. So oh, this is the runoff that just happens when there's not rain. So this kind of silent runoff that's coming from urban runoff and discharges. Oh, ew, ew. <laughs> um, but what, oh. they, what they do with it is kind of cool, and that's what we're going to go see. So we're going to walk yeah. for a little ways to get there. It's at the um, foot of the pier okay. in Santa Monica. That... So something I learned recently is that our um, watershed is makes a really fast drop from almost 3,000 feet high down to sea level. Could you kind of give us an idea of what is a watershed and and you know what is it that we're talking about? Most I think most people don't even think about that here. So a watershed. And we have multiple ones here in Los Angeles because our water comes from different places. But a watershed is the point where the water falls on the mountains to where it goes out to the ocean. And I see it also as the social impact all the way in between. So it's not just a scientific or a hydrological watershed, it's also a social watershed because it impacts and it is impacted by the people and the development we have. If it's social that you have a responsibility toward it, 
And if you're not aware that it's there, how do you engage or interact with it? Or if you wait until it's not there, or it's not available, then you've lost your opportunity. And there is a lot of opportunity to interact. Um, you know, I keep saying there's only a hundred of us doing this work, but it should be hundreds of thousands that are involved. Because water is very dynamic in this state. You know, in the old um, Mark Twain quote that it's uh, for fighting, not drinking, uh, is really um, never changed in terms of the battles. But there are a lot of successes we've had in Southern California, and I'd like to point those out. I especially like to point them out to our friends in Northern California who think all we do is steal their water. So um, this is one example, and there's some others, you know, but really this should apply to all of the cities along the coast. So when we look at this facility, we got to walk around and jaywalk to get to it. Um, we were thinking that others would do it. Um, we didn't want to just be on the bleeding edge here in Santa Monica. But unfortunately, most would rather fight the regulations for clean water rather than think of creative solutions. So this is um, a example that we would hope others will do in the future or something. We've just had a big battle. People have probably heard about it for a parcel tax from the county that would be applied towards clean water projects. Yes. It was put off for at least two to four years to a full election. Which probably means it's not going to happen. So we're at a crossroads on how do we invest or reinvest and pay for these programs, even here in Santa Monica, which historically had done a good job. Um, in terms of the social aspects, there are areas in the city reliant still on groundwater and a polluted legacy that don't even have good drinking water. So there's the environmental justice concerns um, that can't be ignored because it's all part of the same community. We're gonna walk down the hill here. Okay. When I grew up, the lobster was a little tiny fish store, and they could take a fish fillet and throw it on the grill for you. Now it's a. We're walking by a huge, fancy, glassed-in, solar panels on the roof, uh, restaurant, and part of the gentrification of Santa Monica. So when you leave PCH and you come up the hill to Ocean in California, instead of going through the tunnel to the tent, you drive by uh, a hedge wall of plants and these red overhangs, which are part of this Smurf facility. It's one of now four projects in Santa Monica to either capture stormwater or in this case to reuse it. And this is really, again, we think of stormwater, it happens during a rain. This is dry weather. So this is when it doesn't rain, but stuff is still coming down the storm drains. Ah, okay. So now we've hit on this daily activity that most people in Los Angeles aren't thinking about, which is when you turn on your spigot right. and you hose down your car or you hose, you know, you, you water your plants, uh, you're essentially feeding into the stormwater system in Los Angeles. If you let that water run off and go down the street and into a drain, that's what happens. So, you know, we have to think about where our water comes from, both locally in the watershed uh, that we have, where we can get up to, you know, Santa Monica actually gets 70% from local wells. LA gets about 50 potentially could get 50% uh, 
but it gets water from the eastern Sierra, from Mono Lake all the way down where the whole Owens River comes into our aqueduct. It gets water from the big wholesaler, the Metropolitan Water District, from both the Colorado River and the state aqueduct, which runs down along the five. When you drive north, you see that huge canal of water moving. That's from the San Joaquin River Valley. That's actually from the Sacramento River and the San Joaquin, which now runs dry most of the time because of diversions that end up in the Bay Delta and then get pumped out with these huge pumps to move the water south. It reaches the bottom of the Tehachapi Mountains at the Grapevine, and then it's pumped in the biggest use, single use of electrical energy in the state. It's pumped over those mountains to the rest of Southern California. The so, biggest single use of electrical energy in the state of California is used for? Pumping water from Northern California over those mountains to southern, all of Southern California. So anything we can do to offset that offsets the amount of greenhouse gas and energy that's embedded in the water. And here's an example. So we're standing, if you want to describe it, but we've got a, yeah. a series of educational plaques. We're looking out over the pier and the Ferris uh, wheel, and we've got a large cylindrical tank where the water comes in from the Pico and Kentner, the two streets that feed into it through the storm drain. Um, and then the water's diverted. It comes through these big uh, pumps and pipes. They've spin out all the trash down below, below that parking lot, and they move the water up through a treatment facility here. So this is essentially all coming off of the streets or through the storm drains? Correct. Uh, how many feet are we talking about like in a So it goes miles decline? back, it goes back into Los Angeles, so there's a joint project done with Santa Monica and Los Angeles because it drains both areas and, and the major streets or storm lines which kind of create these underground creeks and rivers we have that people don't see as well as underground ethereal streams that we used to have that have been covered up and paved over. So. The water is diverted, it's pumped up, it goes through these tanks, it's separated, it's run through what's called an RO, it's, they put oxygen in it and then they run it through long filters, reverse osmosis filters. And then they actually use UV light to disinfect and then they have clean water that can be used for um, irrigation both along the freeway and along the um, boardwalk down here by the beach and they're talking about also expanding it and pumping it back up for some new developments as well. So as far as I know about water filtration um, they're, they're like a traditional three-step process which could be maybe the most you could hope for in a you know developing country to get the water to at least the state that it can come out of your pipe it's not potable, you can't drink it yet, but what I'm looking at here is a five or six or seven step process right here at the end of our watershed in LA. Right, so if you count the spinning the plastic and the trash off, there's actually um, three, four steps. Um, we take wastewater, which is actually sewage water, and treat it up to five times. Um, at West Basin, which is a facility further south, which diverts that water. But the idea that we would let all this water, both treated water, which has embedded energy because it's been pumped and moved around, 20% of all the energy used in the state is to move water and wastewater. And then we would just then dump it back into the ocean with the pollution. 
And then we would allow the same thing with our wastewater where we treat it up to certain standards but then make use of very little of it. It's really absurd when water is a scarce commodity and we're having some extremes in weather as we've seen these last few winters where we'll get really heavy rains early. I think they did more in Northern California where the reservoirs filled up and then a long time with nothing at all and then maybe if we're lucky some late spring rains. In the last 10 or so years we've had both the wettest and driest year on record in Los Angeles. So this is really what we see out of climate change are these extremes in one direction or the other. Anything we can do to capture and reuse water makes the most sense. So we're going to walk down the pathway here and this was built as an art project and you'll see some tiles and stuff on the wall and it's built as a walkway. Um, it's also a home for the homeless and um, it allows people potentially if they don't want to walk up the big hill at the pier to walk through this project and learn something about it. You know people used to take um, oil and they take it out of their car and they dump it down the drains. Used right? to? They still do? Well, that's why we, and we can look at a couple, but that's why we, one, you know, puts an image of a fish and tell people it drains the city. But a lot of places, they actually block the storm drains, and especially in the when it's not raining, so people can't use them as dumps because the ocean can't be the receiving point for all this trash. Now, the other thing we're talking about these days and kind of technology will solve all our problems besides bringing more water out of a declining ecosystem out of the Bay Delta is doing ocean water desalination. So we would pump polluted water out of the Santa Monica Bay and then concentrate it and then drink it. That doesn't make any sense. Either. I was reading, you wrote an article about this whole idea of desalinization and that essentially it's looking at taking water from the sea that's already receiving polluted water from the city and then treating that and extracting the salt it's a prime opportunity to look at the mismanagement of the water before it even hits the ocean right in terms of money public money that could be spent so how do we want to prioritize our water usages and our energy usages and what do we get the most benefit from and historically what we've done is often created a crisis around water. Think of Chinatown where people are told there isn't enough water. The farmers sell their land off. The water is suddenly available for new development. That's kind of historically the way we've run our water supplies. We've built dams. We've diverted rivers. We're now talking about ocean desalination which would impact sea life as they bring the water in. These old power plants that are closing down use more energy than actually pumping water over the Tehachapi Mountains to Southern California. There's just a lot of old engineering solutions that make far less sense than either appropriate technology like this project or just using less water and getting people to change the kind of landscape we have here, capture rainwater, um, do a whole series of local solutions. Gray water, which is now legal after a long time of it not being legal. You can now disconnect your rain spout and put it out on your garden, which wasn't legal to do before. So water... Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. You mean to catch the water from your, your roof? It had to go directly in the storm drain legally before, and, and, and now it doesn't. Why? So institutionally, water was considered as two things. One, a commodity to resell from somewhere far away 
or two, something that you, as quickly as possible because of floods we had had in the past and not really thinking about how we put water back into the ground, we started paving and developing everything. So then the idea was how do we get that water as quickly as possible to the ocean through channels, concrete channels like the LA River has been put in. Now we're trying to undo that way of thinking and maybe there's another solution This is what it is. This is what it's going to be. You are listening to Here in the City on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. 93.7 FM in San Diego. And 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. An archive and a podcast of our shows is at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. And at kpfk.org, you can like us on Facebook. If you like. And visit us at our website, hereinthecity.org. And follow us on Twitter. It, it's worth underscoring that in terms of um, an opportunity to catch water as it's moving across any kind of a surface, I mean, uh, you could do this with your second grader at home, is you have a, a slope, like a slide almost, mm-hmm. and the water's going across it because it's hard paved surfaces toward the ocean, and if you made a hole at the end, you could catch it and right. save it all. Right. Um, that's something that could happen here in Los Angeles. And, and it's beginning to happen, and we're beginning to see that process. We're beginning to see large-scale cisterns. The Santa Monica Library has one that captures, I think, 160,000 gallons. Uh, Tree People has a large one under their parking lot, 210,000 gallons. Uh, those fill up, actually, when, hit, when we do have those, you know, we either have no rain or really heavy rain. So during the heavy rain, those can actually fill up quite quickly, and then there'll be enough irrigation for the whole long summer period into October, November until we have rains again. On that site. On that site. But why can't we do that everywhere? And we talked about watersheds and we think of watersheds as a big regional watershed per river. So, you know, we have to think of ours as the Colorado River. We have to think of ours as the um, Owens River all the way up to Mono Lake and the, and the creeks, the Levining Creek and the creeks that feed into it. We have to think of ours as the whole Sacramento River and the Feather River that feed into the aqueduct that comes south. Those are all part of our watersheds, but then locally we have watersheds and then we have some watersheds and you actually have a watershed in your backyard, right? And as you mentioned, there's a great book by John McPhee, the author who writes so eloquently about nature called The Forces of Nature and he talks about, in one of his four chapters, he talks about earthquakes and he talks about some of the greatest potential flood in the world is in this basin where we go from tall mountains to a very short distance to the sea. So, you know, it's a challenge to make use of it, but there's great opportunities. And people aren't really aware. We talked about how we haven't had much rain and we haven't much opportunity to listen to rain or the sounds, but a lot of the movement of water is actually quite silent and underground. And there is vast aquifers or underground, especially in San Fernando Valley, that need to continually be cleaned up. But that's the way you want to store water instead of an open reservoir in times of climate change and ever-increasing heat and evaporation. We want to be able to make use of those underground aquifers. So, Connor, as you're talking, I'm thinking about just the, the density of history in Southern California around water 
and the sort of popular understanding and notions of it and Chinatown of course is you know a central story that everybody knows um, but it goes back to a previous time and a previous approach I'm wondering if you know in 2013 you could think of a cultural popular moment that would help us understand where we're at right now what would that be where would people even look to sort of understand Los Angeles you know um, anytime it rains heavily go out and look at the LA River and watch that mass of water that goes through there and for those of us that kayak down the LA River to prove the point that it was navigable and therefore the Clean Water Act should apply. Uh, we got a real experience of both experiencing a time on watercraft and uh, the difficulty, because it was in the middle of summer, of having enough water because it was spread out over time. But there are times when I wouldn't go near it because it is so high and fast moving and things that move right through it. So you end up with not only plastic bags up in trees, but you end up with shopping carts held up in trees because the force of the water has moved it that quickly. Unfortunately, with that first flush when we have rains, we also pick up a lot of the pollution. The other side is that we have a lot of natural areas in our foothills, and it's kind of an unknown history, you know, that I could have caught steelhead trout, which unlike salmon can go up any creek any time, multiple times, but my grandfather caught salmon in the Newport Bay and it's hard to imagine with the amount of development we have what it might have looked like 50 years ago or 100 years ago and we might have actually without bringing in more water might have limited the amount of population but we've chosen not to do that so how do we survive on far less so we use about 121 gallons per day per person in Los Angeles is what they say um, Santa Monica is at about 134 but if you look at Spain, Israel, Australia with warmer, hot climates, um, they're using 30 to 50 gallons per day per person. And before they even looked at ocean desal in those places, they got their per capita way down. So we have a long ways to go. Uh, water rates are going to go up inevitably, especially if they do more and more engineering projects. But really what we need to do is use less water. So people have to think about it is, you know, how do I live life in Southern California um, efficiently with less water because inevitably we will have times of, of more and less water. We're not a desert though. Everyone likes to say we're a desert. A desert gets two or three inches. Uh, we actually get an average and it varies greatly but about 15 inches. So there's times when we have more than enough water if we capture and reuse it and prevent it from running off. Have we, so in, in the last, you, you said in the last 10 years or so, We've had these extreme events, very little water and very extreme downpours. I remember right. 2005, right. I have a recording that we're going to hear. Um, actually, I could say, I'll, I'll play it right now. That's the sound of 2005. We had, a, a, I think, almost a 100-year rain event. 
and it was three weeks of sheets of water every night. And then we look at this year, which is really different, but we're not in a drought. No, we're about nine inches. So really to describe a drought, um, it takes, watch out. It takes, you have to walk, walk by the giant sentry cactus. Um, it takes two or three years to really establish a drought. One of the things that happens with water seeping back into the ground, it takes two or three years after that heavy rain for it to fill up the aquifer and come back. Really? So it's Why not, is that? Because it filters down through the soil, which is a natural process that allows the water to be cleaned up. I guess I never realized that it would take I, more than a couple of days for the water to filter through the soil. It's a long, slow process, and that allows for things to be cleaned up. So in Orange County, where for the last 30 years, they've been taking wastewater and recycling it and putting it back through the ground and, and then reusing it, they, they go through that process constantly. Um, they're about 40% usage, I believe, of, of reusing that water. So they have, but we're only at about 2%. We're talking about going to 8%. So 40% in Orange County? Yeah. They're reusing their waste. This is, so here's another, then recent memory. Um, I think it was maybe 2007, the New York Times did uh, a whole magazine takeout about. <laughs> Orange County and how they were so adverse to the idea of, you know, sewer to sink uh, and that you would actually be able to drink the water that had been used and, and had human waste involved in it. And you're talking to me in 2013 and saying they're at, they've like way exceeded well, they, expectations. They've been doing it. LA's been reluctant, but they've been doing it for a long time. And, and they realized that they had developed or someone would say overdeveloped their land and they were going to need more local water and so they made that investment so you know it's time we stop treating our storm drains um, and our sewers as entirely something we may not someday reuse because we're going to have to reuse it um, Singapore actually gets it to the point to drinking water levels um, there are a lot of fears and concerns about it, but um, those actually have been dealt with. But the alternative is we don't treat it and we just dump it back into the ocean. We'll have a link to Waterkeeper and the Los Angeles Watershed Alliance on our website here in the city.org. And next week we will continue our conversation with Connor Everts about water in Southern California. Lunes, los lunes a las 2 de la tarde. Acá, en KPFK. En KPFK. FM. FM. En Los Ángeles. En Los Ángeles. Gracias. Dad, can you say, we're not on Tuesdays anymore, we're on Mondays. We're not on Tuesdays anymore, we're on Mondays. At 2 p.m. At 2 p.m. Here on KPFK. Here on KCFK. KPFK. KPFK. In Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. Thank you. 
Thank you. We'll be listening for you. You'll be listening for us. <laughs> I know. I'm making them think, hey, that's the opposite of what uh, is uh, intended. <laughs> I'm Sarah Harris. Signing off. To yapping on. When you go in and out, may you have peace and level and safe. Yes. Be safe. Peace.